We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. And uh, coming in September 2020, a new site we have built together called... Defector. Defector, and we're going to have a new podcast to go with it. This very podcast, which has the name... The Distraction. It's out right now, and it's available everywhere else you get your podcast. At Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction everywhere. It's out right now. Go listen. See ya. Bye. There's a delusional quality that all successful people have. And when it comes to my dreams, I'm a lunatic. And there's nothing like being able to watch your dreams, my dreams, our dreams unfold together after 17 years. Deadass. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellis's. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we mm-hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. When we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts now. This past year has been like the greatest year for the Ellis's when it comes to dreaming and manifestations. And the beginning of October, after I'd already wrapped shooting my first season of Sisters with Tyler Perry, we got an invitation in the mail for his grand opening for the studio. 330 acres of land he yes. owns. Former Confederate Army base. Now owned by one black man. Yep. And we looked at the people who were going to be invited. Uh, Cicely Tyson, Will Smith, Denzel Washington, Oprah Winfrey, mm. Holly Berry, mm. Whoopi Goldberg, yep. uh, the late John Singleton. The late just Diane Carroll. The late who Diane Carroll. The day before uh, just a few point. names that were being yeah. dedicated to the 12 sound stages. Everybody in Black Hollywood is there. And we're in the John Singleton soundstage, and mm-hmm. and the, the doors open to the soundstage. Tears, the sidebar. Like, oh, everyone was in tears. Everyone was in tears. Oh. But um, they open the doors to the soundstage, and there's a 300-yard red carpet, 40 yards wide, from the beginning of Soundstage 1, or Soundstage 12, which was John Singleton, to Soundstage 12, which is Oprah Winfrey. And we're walking back and forth, dedicating each soundstage to the people who were there. And I remember looking to my right, and it was Puffy, it was Usher, and Ludacris. And I remember Puffy looking up and saying, this shit is crazy. Then looking to you and looking to my left and seeing Jay-Z and Beyonce. Standing right next to us. And at that point, I said to myself, how did we get here? To dream the impossible dream. You go, girl. Yeah. To fight the unbeatable foe. Sang, Kadeen, sang. To bear with unbearable sorrow. Uh, Isn't it such a good song? It is such a great song. Oh, my God. It is such a great song. The impossible, to dream the impossible dream. How often do dreams seem so impossible? So impossible. Oh, my gosh. I got chills. Oh, man. Just um, telling that, that small snippet of what was an amazing weekend. Oh. Almost brings me to tears now again. I was just thinking literally about it. saying the same thing and feeling the same thing and thinking about how I felt in that moment and talk about being in good company, man. Like Deval, literally, I was alongside him the entire time and just holding his hand and we're walking. We through held this. hands the entire time. Yeah, and like just moments where we like squeeze, squeeze each other's hands because we'd recognize like some other amazing person who was just standing in the same area as us. And we just wondered like, how do we get here? But it was also a moment of confirmation that felt like, man. All this work. 
Yeah. All this work for all of these years. Like we're supposed to be here. Culminated by a 10-minute conversation with Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. Life made. (laughs) It was insane. It was insane. And it's funny because I remember being young and saying to myself, living in Brooklyn, that where I exist now is where my life is going. It's not where my life is going to be. This I'm not going to end up here. You know, like I'm just not going to. You remember to. saying that as a child? Yes. I remember hmm. being a, chi- a small child saying, am I going to play in the NBA? Am I going to be in the NFL catching touchdowns like Jerry Rice? Or am I going to be on stage dancing, making people laugh, singing? Like I just knew that there was something greater for me that had nothing to do with me but I I just felt my whole life that there was something greater that I was supposed to do and it ended up turning into TV film because when I used to go to Morristown Tennessee in the summertime to visit my grandparents um, the Boys and Girls Club had a basketball court they had a billiards lounge and they also had a performing arts center Hmm. and I used to always go to the performing arts center and I would dance rap do plays and acting was always something that I wanted to do. And I always felt my whole life, like, I'm not going to stop until I get to where I want to be. Wow. That's and, funny. You Sorry. No, and, and being at that dinner, the Tyler Perry opening, was like the first step. Yeah. Like, that wasn't the culmination of my career. That was the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I honestly feel that now. I mean, I was on stage at a young age, too. Um, I started dancing at three years old. And I think that's kind of like the thing that you do when you have a daughter. It's like, let's Mm -hmm. put her in dance school. Mm -hmm. Um, And then let's see if it becomes a thing. And I was dancing since I was three. Started dancing competitively when I was about 10. Um, And I'll never forget one day I got a pamphlet in the mail from American Co-Ed Pageants. Mm-hmm. And I saw it. And I remember always liking to watch uh, Miss America with my mom. Of course, Vanessa Williams was like my most favorite mm-hmm. of um, Miss America ever. And thinking to myself, wow, like the beautiful gowns and being on stage and the pretty crown and the swimsuits. Like those are those are always things that I looked at and I kind of admired. Like the the confidence these women had to be on stage and they were all so well-spoken. And I remember looking at yeah. that as a young girl thinking, wow, I'd love to do that one day. Um, so I got this pamphlet in the mail when I was 10 years old for the Miss New York preteen pageant. And I remember taking it to my mom and dad and saying like, hey, I want to do this. Um, you know, will you let me compete? And, you know, my dad was kind of like, oh, you don't have to bother with that. Like he right. wasn't necessarily. Your father's not a dreamer. No, my father's not. He's very practical. Like, what's this going to get you? Are you going to make money doing it? You know, is this about your schoolwork? You know, at 10, I remember saying, I'm like, it's a scholarship pageant. And I know scholarship meant money. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, I can win money and I could put that in a bank account for college one day. So he was kind of like, still skeptical, but he's like, okay. And I really wanted to do it badly. And my mom was more so the one like, well, I think this will be good exposure. She saw Mm. they had an interview portion of the competition. So she said, you know what? This will get you in front of people talking. You're not going to be shy. You won't have to be scared of public speaking. And if you really want to do it, we'll do it. And being on stage and feeling that rush and performing in in front of people, in front of an audience and speaking and public speaking became a thing that was just natural for me. You're still Um, very good at it now. You you have a great voice. Thank you. And I kind of had a knack for it. And and that moment, I knew that – Chances are I wasn't going to go the route the entire family went medically (laughs) into medicine. Um, Though at pageants, when they asked me what I wanted to be, I always said a pediatrician because I felt like, you know, that was what I was supposed to do. Right. You know, my aunt was a pediatrician. My uncle was a doctor. My mom's a nurse. My father's a lab tech. Like, it made sense. Um, But I always knew deep down that that was not going to be my path. So here's a question I have for you. Um, Did you... Did you always believe in manifesting? Did you always believe that I have to believe this, say it out loud, acclaim it in order for it to work? Or did you feel like, oh, these are just necessary steps I had to take? No, I was never a manifester. I was Mm. never... the person who felt about felt it was necessary or there was value per se in saying these things aloud. This is not something that mm. I learned actually until like 
maybe a couple years ago, to okay. be honest. Um, you know, I was raised seven day Adventist in the church, so you prayed for things that you wanted, and uh-huh. when you did pray for things, you had to work. Well, pr- prayer it. is a is a, a different and, type of manifestation, but path. it is right, a manifestation. right, exactly. So when I see, speak of manifestation, as in like affir- affirmations allowed, things like right. that, not necessarily the spiritual side of things, that for me wasn't a thing. But just praying on things and being able to do the work that was something that I believed in and something that I did as a child, and I still can continue to do that as an adult coupled with other things as in verbal affirmations speaking things into existence and then also having to develop the work ethic to work towards those things from the time i was five i felt like i could do anything that i ever wanted to do hmm. and that I'll, early. I'll, I'll never forget that early because i remember being in miss bradshaw's class mm-hmm. and there being a Bar, remember we used to have the chin-up test? Mm-hmm. There was a bar on the wall. Mm-hmm. And no one in the kindergarten class or the first grade class could get to the bar without Mr. Smith lifting them up and putting them on the bar. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in kindergarten, and I remember looking at the bar saying, like, I can reach that. Like, I remember saying, like, I can reach that. I can reach that. And I remember the kids, and this is the thing, like, I remember it so vividly. I remember the kids like trying to reach, just jump and try, and they didn't get nowhere close. And I remember running and jeeping, and I was always very athletic. And I'm like, I'm going to be the person to get it. You know, by the end of the year, I had figured out that if I had run and jumped and kicked off the wall, I could kick off the wall and grab it. And I remember being able to run and grab it. And it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Mr. Smith used to have me do that mm-hmm. to other people. Like he would be like, I would be in gym class and he would be like, yo, Ellis, Ellis, you know what I'm saying? Go, go get the chin up bar. And I remember seeing the kids, remember the kids coming in there and I'd run and I'd run full speed and I'd kick off the wall and grab the bar. Mm-hmm. And I remember the kids going, yo. And I remember that point in my life being a point where I said, yo, I can do anything I want to do. You know what I'm saying? Like I, could, I just got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And from that point on to the rest of my life, anytime I said, you know what, I'm going to do something, I just did it and failed and failed and failed and failed and failed until I figured it out. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think most people are afraid of the failure part. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I learned something. I listened to Master P said something at the Revolt Summit. Mm-hmm. He said, in life, right, you're going to come across people and these people are not going to root for you to win. Because in our culture, especially in, in, a, in the black American culture, we like to laugh at people who fail. You know, like we like to point out how you failed, you failed, you failed. And it's not until you're comfortable saying an L is not a loss, it's a lesson. Mm-hmm. Will you be able to continue to keep trying? Because when you fail, you didn't lose. You learned. Why didn't I get to the bar that time? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I get to the bar that time? Oh, maybe I shouldn't jump off my left foot. Maybe I should jump off my right foot. Maybe I should do my left, then my right foot. Maybe I should reach with my right hand rather than my left because my right hand is my strong hand. These are the things I remember saying to myself at five. That if I wanted to grab it first, I would have to run and then I have to grab it with my right hand first because every time I touch it with my left, I can't hold it. Mm-hmm. And it was every time I missed it, I had learned something. So you had a strategy in place at I, that point. I had a strategy. That's that's amazing to 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 realize that at five. And I don't even think I knew that apart that about you. That was a secret secret because I didn't know that. <laughs> because I, I feel I feel kind of strange telling people because when you say things out loud, sometimes people look at you like you're crazy. You know, I can remember certain things in my life that changed my perspective on on things and who I was and who I was going to be. And when you say things out loud, some, sometimes people go, oh, he's full of himself. Mm. He's crazy. But even when I told people my dreams. They laughed. They laughed. There's a lot of things that are not meant to be said aloud. And I think there's a power sometimes in holding that in. Oh, absolutely. And you're saying, you know what? This is for me because it's about me and it's something I want to accomplish. And you feel less pressure sometimes. Fearing the scrutiny that you're going to have yes. as you make it towards that. Because you think about success and you think about um, what people what that means for people. Mm-hmm. You know, some people believe that success just comes from being in the right place at the right time. Uh, you know, one of the most successful people of all times, in my opinion, at least, Oprah Winfrey. You look yes. at her career and where she's come. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a quote from her. She said, um, I believe that luck is preparation meets opportunity. opportunity. If you haven't been prepared when the opportunity came along, you wouldn't have been lucky. Absolutely. So when I look at, so I know when I look around at, uh, you know, these times and realize that the things I've dreamed of for myself and how they've come into fruition, that I'm extremely lucky. It's really just not luck. It's just it's never ha- luck. Having, having prepared for it's, it. It's never, 
ever look. And I think that's the missing piece for a lot of people. I know I've had moments where I just kind of wanted things to happen, wanted things to happen. I wasn't prepared to receive it at that point because I wasn't working towards it. And I can admit that for sure. Yo, shout out to our producer, Tribble, because she <laughs> talked to us about- Tribble. <laughs> but she has a mantra and her mantra is everything is magic. I believe. Right? And she Absolutely. talks about how you have to find the magic in every opportunity mm. that comes your way. That magic moment. This magic moment. And here's a perfect opportunity. I'm at Power. I have a co-star role where this is my fame. This is my claim to fame on Power. (laughs) When I'm in the jail and then Tommy comes up because he thinks I'm a ghost. Yes. This is what, season two was it? Season two, episode nine. Episode nine, yep. And I turn to Tommy and I go, fuck you looking at. That was my claim to fame right there, right? That was an amazing sidebar because <laughs> I remember everyone being like, DeVal has a role on power. DeVal has a role on power. So I'm just like, DeVal, this is your one line, though. That's your one line. Didn't you have another show that you did where it was just like, the fuck you looking at? Yeah. No, it was um, it was the, the, breaks. The, the breaks. Where it was the breaks where I was in a lineup. Yes. I'm always in a lineup. I'm always locked up. Right? <laughs> Whatever. So I'm in the breaks and I pull up and um, the guy says... um. Some dumb line. I think he says something like, what the fuck you looking at, too? No, I say no? to him I say to him on the breaks, oh. what the fuck you talking about? Oh, there you go. So it was the fuck you looking at. Then so pretty the much uh, a nanny and Aunt Debbie and none of your <laughs> family members, me. they want to watch the Val's like big TV moment. During and that's his one days. line where she's just like, you had to cuss? Oh, no. Right. My family's very old school Baptist. <laughs> but um, but I get this role. And then afterwards, I get a call from production at Power. I was like, hey, um... Deval, you kind of look like Omari. Do you do stunts? And I'm like, yeah. I always lie. And I learned this in football. You lie to find out what they want to present to you. I take the job as a stunt double, and I get an opportunity for the next three years to work as Omari Hardwick's stunt double. Best thing you ever did. Best thing I ever did because there's no acting class better than watching a lead male. You want to be a lead male? Watching a lead male work Mm -hmm. from a day to day. You have to look at every situation, right? And you can't look at it and say, oh, this is too small for me. Mm-hmm. People like to say that. Oh, I want to be here. I, I, that's too small for me. I went from being a half a million dollar a year athlete when I retired from the NFL to making $10 an hour working at Parisi Speed yep. School for two years because Losing I wanted everything. to learn. We lost everything. I wanted to learn how to own my own sports performance business. Had to start somewhere. So I had to take a very humble step back. A very, very humble step back. Mm-hmm. A half a million dollars a year. To $10 an hour. And I know a lot of my friends, a lot of people said, I would have never done that. Yep. But for me, I was like, where I am now is not where I'm going to end up. Like this moment you. right here is not where I'm going to end up. That so moment, you got to do it. That moment when we got back to Brooklyn and we were in the apartment, it wasn't renovated at that time. So the, the apartment was looking about 30 years old. We had our suitcases with our clothes, some furniture. And um, I took. I, we were engaged at the time. Yes. And I was just like, so what are we going to do? I was like, well, I'm going to go work at Parisi. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go to the mall. You talk about taking a, a humble job. step back. We were living in a four-bedroom, four-bathroom. Yeah, we weren't married room, yet, but li- just like. We were with you and my fiance. Yeah, we were Living room, dining room, front yard, backyard, in a cul-de-sac. We moved back to Brooklyn. My fiance takes her wedding ring off, her engagement ring, puts it on the table, gets on the B44, <laughs> yep. and goes to work in King's Plaza Mall. Yep. And mm-hmm. it was like. This is our dream. Mm-hmm. We have a dream. We have a focus. Yep. We have to start in this small moment, mm-hmm. but we're going to get there. We're and what was the there. promise I made to you? Every year is going to be, be better, better than, than the last. last. That was the moment. So and, said, so done. And that's the that's the promise you have to make to yourself yes. when you're trying to manifest your dreams. Absolutely. Every year is going to be better, better than, than the last. The last. Yeah. And as long as it's better than the last, you know you're making progress. And before yeah. you know it, the floodgates open up. Because you honestly manifest it. I used to say to Kay all the time, I'm going to be a leading male. I'm going to be a leading male. I want to act. I want to do this. I want to do this. Well, yeah. Even last year, you were like, I'm going to be a series regular on a show. On a TV show. I said that last year. You said year. that last year. And you got your, your so opportunity said, this year. So said, so done. Last year, I said to myself, I'm going to redo my headshots. I'm going to get back out there in front of the camera. You know, Cass is going to be two. We're done having kids. I'm going to book my first real credit on a show. So said, Just so said, so, so done. done. Just had my first and guest star show. Bro. There were many failures. Many times we missed the bar on that. Mm. Remember Bigger? Oh, yeah. We both tested. Yeah. We both tested in April for I don't know who a watched TV the show. vlog. Some of our followers probably watched that yes. vlog where we both 
in April of this year went to test for the show Bigger, which is on BET Plus right now, which is an awesome show. Absolutely, shout out to the cast and everybody, Robbie Reed, everyone who cast for that. It was who cast for that. It was great. It was dope. Yeah, it's a really great show that's airing now on BET Plus. But um, we both tested for for roles on that show for series regulars. Which testing means for those who don't know, testing is when you read in front of the network, in front of the executive producers. We we read in front of Will Packer, and yeah. It's like, wow, we right here. This is our moment. Yeah. And neither one of us got picked. Nope. And I remember being in that moment when um, I know I didn't make it after like the first round, but it was the very last round and DeVal was up against um, another young Chase. man. Chase. My yes, boy, Chase. Chase. Chase for the role of Dion. And I remember Robbie calling us into the office and letting DeVal know that he didn't get the role. And I could just <sighs> feel like I can see the beads of sweat collecting on DeVal's forehead because he felt like in that moment, like, no, you know that wasn't was sweat, so right? Close. That was my tears, the tears. from my eye ducts going back through my forehead <laughs> and coming know. out of my forehead. I That's wanted, exactly what it was. I literally wanted to cry so badly because I was just like, I know oh, how man. close he was and how badly he wanted that in that moment. But then you know, we picked up, we went back to say, you know what, Deval was for you. We'll it's not pass you. you. It'll it. be for you. And then he ended up two weeks later. Two weeks later, I went and auditioned. Booking sisters and in front of. I read in front of Tyler Perry two weeks later, and I booked Sixters. And I was like, that just meant bigger right. was in store. And Insane. Reading for Tyler Perry leads me booking that show, going to the studio opening, oh. and meeting some of the, the people that I grew up watching. I met, I met and had a conversation with Diddy, Jay-Z. Jay-Z's whole Jay-Z. catalog oh. is the soundtrack for my life. Oh, man. From the 90s up until now. And, I like, you know, and he's from Brooklyn. Brooklynites. And we proud Brooklynites. Like, knowing everything that he's done and the fact that he's married now, he has three kids, and he's building an empire, It's and he's socially conscious. It's like you, you look at certain people, you're like, damn, I wonder if I can be able to do that. Then you get a chance to meet them. In real life. Mm-hmm. And then they just like, hey, what's up, man? You know, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm talking to Jay-Z. And he's like, this is nice. This is really nice what Tyler's doing for everybody. This is nice. And <laughs> you're like, exactly oh, shit, I'm talking to Jay-Z. <laughs> it's like. I totally got like chicken and like kind of avoided Beyonce. Yeah, she, she avoided I was like Beyonce. walking alongside her and I was kind of like, hey, girl. She's like, hey. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what to say to her. I totally <laughs> got starstruck in that moment, which never happens to me. Yeah. But that was, that's B. That's so that leads us to you know? uh, your your mantra. Remember, you had to make a mantra. Yes. Um, what was what was the exercise? Where were you? Again, um, I forget, but I've I know it, but I forget where you were when you made the mantra. It was my sophomore year mm-hmm. of college at Hofstra. I was taking a speech communications class, okay. and we had to read the secret, mm-hmm. and we talked about um, manifesting in the law of attraction, right? And saying things out loud. So they were like, you should have a mission statement that you say every day so you can attract positive energy to yourself. Mm. So she wanted us to come up with, I forgot, it wasn't Trashiati, it was another professor. Mm-hmm. But um, she wanted me to create a mission statement. So the mission statement was, each day I work to build a legacy, not to be defined by my greatness, but by the masses I inspire to be greater than myself. And after class, she asked me, she was like, um, what made you come up with that? Mm-hmm. You know. And I said, well, realistically, I want to live forever. And she was just like, what you mean by that? I said, how do you live forever? You create a legacy. And you can only create a legacy by making the people around you better. Because if you make the people around you better, those people will forever say your name. I learned that by watching Troy. Mm -hmm. And Achilles was my favorite character. Mm -hmm. So Achilles always talked about wanting to live forever because he always wanted his name to be spoken about. And the only way you can speak, people will speak about you is if you're a protector and if you influence people. So I always wanted to influence people to be great. And it really has nothing to do with your greatness at that point. It doesn't matter what you did because no matter what you do, there's always going to be someone greater that comes along and does it better than you. But if you are the person that's known for influencing greatness amongst people, your name will never die. Mm. And that to me always meant so much. Bars. Think about Michael Jackson. Felt like bars. Yeah. Think think about Michael Jackson. Think about how many people after him have been influenced by his music. That Michael Jackson's music will never die. We have three boys. They all sit down at the computer and put in beat it. Yeah. And listen to beat it like it's 1984. Yeah, they literally, oh, even down to Kaz. Kaz. Kaz on his iPad will be listening to, to Michael Jackson. And it's just great. <laughs> it's, it's just great. No, you're absolutely right. Wow, I almost feel like this turned into like a, I was interviewing you today. And I think it makes sense only because I know your story. And right. you knew since five years old or since you were really young that this is what you wanted to do. And I've watched 
all of these things kind of come to fruition, especially with your career. And it's just, it's been, it's been amazing to kind of watch and see. No, I mean, it's been amazing to be a part of with you though, to be honest, because um, this is dead ass. And Mm -hmm. one thing I've also learned throughout life is that you understand the value in people. Yeah. And I understand that I wouldn't be able to do anything in my life if I didn't have you here because there were times where I didn't exactly know how I was going to get to the next step. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I could be creative. And you always found a way to turn that creativity into an actual plan yeah. that worked. You know, it's funny too, because you know? I I always I struggled a lot with um, figuring out what my purpose is. Mm-hmm. And I think I still have moments where I wonder... Why, like, what am I here for? I'm not sure what it is, what mm-hmm. my purpose is. it just my children? Because naturally, like you said in past episodes, when you become a mom, that's like your sole for focus before everything else. So it's like, is my purpose to just be a mom? Is my purpose right. to be here to assist you on your journey to greatness and this legacy that we're creating for our boys? Mm-hmm. And I've struggled with figuring out what exactly it is. And I wonder sometimes, can my purpose be multifaceted? Can I be here to assist you in mm-hmm. being great. And then now that I've done having kids and I'm back in front of the camera again, now I can maybe find my purpose through acting, um, you know, raising our children. Right. But the also I think about the, the component of other people and giving back mm-hmm. and being able to help. And I think that's an amazing thing that we both have in common is that we always, in everything we do, try to be good people to other people around us. Absolutely. And we think about how we will be able to help right. those around us, those who may not have as much, even being able to help our family. like we, That's always something that we've spoken about over the years. It's never just about you. It's never just about me. Even never just about our children, but it's about the masses around us. Well, it's funny because I, I watched a movie that pretty much changed my life. Um, you ever heard the movie called Pay It Forward? It was a movie? It was it was the movie with the dude from the Sixth Sense. The, uh, I forgot his name. The the kid from Sixth Sense. The kid from Sixth Sense. Okay. But um, he had this. The, he, I forgot. I wonder if that's the, even the name of it. But the concept was paying it forward. Mm-hmm. And he had this whole idea that if something does, if somebody does something for you, mm-hmm. and you pay them back, mm-hmm. it stops there. Mm. I did something for you. You pay me back. That, right, the, that's that it. frees you. Yeah. Of somebody doing something for you first. Or it frees you of being in debt. Like, right. Yeah. But if you pay it forward mm-hmm. and you do something for someone and that person has to pay it forward to three people, mm-hmm. it continues to grow into the world. Mm. Think about how dope that is. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying to people, yo, I'll give you this, but you got to pay me back. Right. You say, you know what? I'll give you this, but you got to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. That changed. I, I, I remember You've watching that. that a lot too now that I think That about movie it. changed my life. I have to find the name of the movie. Yes. But it changed my life because it made me realize how important it is mm-hmm. to not give people back. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone gave me something, that means they probably don't need my help. Mm-hmm. But someone else may need my help. And if I can do it to someone else and then they keep moving it forward, the world would be a much better place. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I feel like and I just heard you say that recently to one was maybe one of the kids you've mentored or something. Well, I mean, we put pay recently. it forward on the wall at, at the gym. At the gym, yeah. We put pay it forward on the wall so because a lot of I the tell kids know that. Yeah, I tell all the kids. Mm-hmm. They always say, "Yo, Coach Deval, you know, I, I'm gonna pay you back." And I tell them all the time. I was like, "I don't need your help, bro." But there's gonna be someone after you that's gonna need your help. And you the know. only way I'll help you is if you promise me that you're gonna help someone else when, when they need. ask you for the help. Nope, the same absolutely. way, the same way I asked it. So whether it's money, mm-hmm. whether it's advice, don't worry right. about paying me back. Right. But Coach Val, it's your $50. I don't need the $50. Right. I gave it to you. Mm-hmm. But now, if someone else asks you for $50 and you got it, you better not keep your hand closed. There you go. You know what I'm saying? And I, think, stops. and I think it's important for people to know, too, when you're manifesting your, your destiny, right? Especially when you talk about the kids we mentor. People can't be what they can't see, mm-hmm. right? You have to see it first. Mm-hmm. Once you see it and you know, like, this is what I want to do, that becomes the goal. You take that thing, you visualize it, and you put that somewhere where you can see it every single day. And if you wake up every day, because it's easy to get distracted in this world, Mm -hmm. and you lose sight of what the goal is. So when you wake up every day, and you look in and you see that goal, it's like, that's why I'm doing this. That's the power behind vision boards. That is the huge power behind vision boards. that's the power behind vision boards. And some people think a vision board has to be on your wall, 
right here on by your bed. Some people do that. I've never had a physical vision board, but mm-hmm. I've had physical vision boards in my phone. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that when I open up my phone, I see it and I say, "This is what I want." Yeah. Remember when I created the vision board? It was um, Will Smith, Diddy, Jay Z, and Wesley Snipes. Mm-hmm. And I said I wanted to be a combination of these four men. Right. And I put that in my phone and I had the picture of all four of them. And whenever I feel like I'm losing track of why I'm doing something, I go back to that picture and I say, this right here is why. It's funny. I um, I started doing, like I said, I never was the one that always like said the verbal confirmations or affirmations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but one thing for me is I've using my, I've used my social media now to follow certain people. Oh, yes. Who That's- I feel inspire me or motivate me to be greater who are doing things that I aspire to do and they're doing it and that's the power of using social media for the positive yo so if you look at some of my top stories they're gonna be people who motivate me in the acting world they motivate me to be a better mother that's such a dope they motivate me to be a better wife a better human being like that's what I use my social media for That, that is such a dope concept because if you think about it, right, social media now, they have algorithms mm-hmm. that when you click on somebody's profile or you click on certain things, they send blasts to your phone of those things. Yeah. So when you're following certain things subconsciously mm-hmm. and physically, it's always on your mind. Yep. Absolutely. So when you follow bullshit, when you click on bullshit, <laughs> right. bullshit's on your mind. There you go. So if you look at social media and you're following trash... Your life's going to be trash. Absolutely. You need constant reminders of why you do things in right. life. If you look at the greatest people in the world, they're not following bullshit. They're fo- they, they may be following five or ten people, and right. all of those people are doing greater things than them. Absolutely. And it's a reminder of this is where I want to be. That's so dope that you said that. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But I, I, it's that's, so true. That's probably the biggest for me just because I know so much of my work is on social media just with us right. creating, being content creators and, and all that. So we do spend a lot of time on our phone. So I think about the time that, you know, you have those moments where you're kind of just bored and aimlessly scrolling through. You think about what you're actually consuming. Yeah. And I know that for a fact— there's certain people that I follow for a reason or whose uh, whose stories I'll go to for that day because I know there's something in there that's going to motivate me or uplift me or it's going to help me get to that next goal, whatever that is. So it's like, you know, I think about setting out maybe like a little um, a little path for people or a little something to follow because we okay. like to have takeaways for our listeners about what is okay. it, what it is that you can kind of take from this and maybe apply to your life, right? Okay. So once you decide what you want, you set that, that goal. That's the first thing. Yep. Right. You decide what you want. You set the goal. Um, Tribble. You know, we shout out no, to Tribble again. No, not Tribble. <laughs> You're annoying. Tribble. <laughs> we know. But she, she, gave, she gave us a really cool um, acronym, okay. which is SMART. Right. SMART stands for specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time bound. So all of these things. I like that. Yeah. And it tells you pretty much. is smart. (laughs) She's smart. (laughs) And she sees the magic in the moment. Yes. So, you know, we want to, I just want to break that down really quickly to kind of give people an idea of how you can apply this to whatever whatever it is you're manifesting. Right. So specific, the goal should be clear and specific. Otherwise, you won't be able to focus your efforts or really feely truly motivated to achieve it. So when you're drafting up your goal, you know, you should answer the first five questions, right? The W questions. What do I want to accomplish? Why is the goal important? Who is involved? Where is it located? And which resources or limits are involved? You know what's funny? That's literally this like is an literally, amazing This breakdown. is literally what we did when I retired from the NFL. Yes. When I was trying to figure out how to get into acting. Yes. It was like, okay, what is it I want to do? Okay, why do I want to do this? Mm-hmm. How do we get into it? That's when I called on Adrian. Yes. Because she yes. was involved in it. It was yes. like, who do I get involved with? Where is it located? She brought me to, to the city. Yep. Who do I talk to? This is and which resources are involved? Like mm-hmm. this is exactly what we did. Or this what will limit me from that and how can I navigate around that? This is great. So that's great. Then measurable. M. Make your goals measurable so that you can track your progress and stay motivated. Right? I struggled with for this. example, I struggled with this. D- d- this one right here, right? If your goal is to be a stand-up comedian, for example, you can say, I want to do stand-up three times a week. So it's exercising that, practicing that. So you it's attainable and it's trackable so you know when you're making progress. That makes so much sense. It I does. think you I know need how many to do that. I failed, I, I failed myself at that point. Absolutely. I need to do that as well. And and that's where my procrastination came in because I'm just like me just sitting around expecting things yes. to happen and it's not yes. happening. Yes. I was I was directly impacting that per- portion of my life where things just weren't happening and I'm at, I'm wondering why. Well, it's because bitch she wasn't working at it. <laughs> 
<laughs> you just weren't doing it. That's true, though. You weren't. That, I mean, that's that's the hard truth. Really? Like, why isn't it happening? Because you aren't working. Because you're at not it. working at it. Exactly. Yes. So all these, you can pray as much as you want. You can do all these verbal affirmations as much as you want, but it's not gonna happen that way. Hold on. Faith without works mm-hmm. is dead. It's dead. It's yep. the truth. It doesn't matter whether you're religious uh-huh. or you're spiritual. Or it you're is not. the truth. It's just what it is. I remember a quick story. My grandmother was like, um, guys, before you go to sleep, this yard needs to be cut. I said, Grandma, let me ask you a question. She was like, What? I was like, You believe in the Bible, right? This is me at twelve. She's like, Yes, the Bible. Well, I feel like the going? smart ass comment is coming up. <laughs> smart, it's smart. Uh-huh. Smart. There said, you go. The I said, acronym. I said, yes, I do believe she said, Yes, I do believe in the Bible. I said, Well, you made us read a scripture and it said, If three or more people come together and we pray, the Lord will give you what you need. So oh I was God. she was like, Yes. I said, So Rather than us going out and cutting the yard, how about the three of us get together and we pray that the yard will be cut <laughs> and then we're going to go play basketball. And she said, Deval, you can get your brother. Y'all go pray. I don't whoop your ass. Pretty much. You, I said, all right, so I'm going to just go outside and cut the and grass. And, I'm going to head out. <laughs> no, and, but then she Bob. was like, because the moral of the story is faith without works right. is dead. You can pray we'll for it, but if you don't put the work in, mm-hmm. God will not give you the blessings you ask for without you putting in the work. So I was Lessons. like, shout out to my nana, Della, Ellis. I got the I got the message. Mm-hmm. I ain't want my ass whooped. There you go. I ain't want a dead ass. I didn't want a dead <laughs> ass. I wanted to be alive. All That's right? why we have fake grass. Because yeah. I was trying to, <laughs> yeah. trying to cut I'm no grass. I ain't trying to cut it, so our grass is fake. Our grass is fake. Um, achievable. Your goals also need to be realistic and attainable. So the easiest way to lose motivation is by setting goals that are out of reach. To avoid that, break down big goals into smaller goals that will help you get there. You know, maybe your goal is to make a career change. And if you don't have those skills to make that, make you a viable candidate for that job, then maybe you're going to have to kind of backtrack and see what you can do to teach yourself, get a new set of skills, get a certification, whatever your next goal is to switch careers. Now, I'm going to have to remix this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like being realistic doesn't get you anywhere in life. Like another Will Smith goal thing I've heard was him saying being realistic doesn't make great people. Mm-hmm. For example, the Wright brothers, right? When they decided to talk about flying planes, flying planes yep. right? It's not realistic to think that you could take a piece of metal, bend it into a cylinder, get in it, and then fly over the ocean. This shit is just not realistic. So in a way, you have to think beyond being realistic. Mm -hmm. And then that's why I'm saying I'm remixing. So now you know what the end goal is. Mm -hmm. Once you know what the end goal is, let's create some smaller goals, which I agree with, to get us to the final point. Because you're not going to ultimately get to that unrealistic goal tomorrow. Right. There's steps. So in the case of the know? plane, it's like, okay, we're going to make the metal cylinder. Okay, great. Now we need an engine. Right. Okay, now we have to right. defy gravity. Okay, let's, how are we going to do all how this? We, let's, let's, this goal for this year is to mm-hmm. figure out aeronautics. Yes. That's the word, right? Aeronautics? Yes. yes. You know how smart there I am, you go. baby? Look That's at why you. you married me because I you knew know? it was aeronautics. And you're cute. That's, That's a fin- plus. Oh, you better stop. <laughs> R. You better stop. <laughs> Relevant. Your goal should be important to you. Social media makes it easy for us to compare our lives and Ooh. success to other people. That is a recipe for disaster. And sometimes that can make you think you want something that isn't for you. So comparing yourself to other people and listening to the opinions of others in your life can have you creating goals that aren't relevant to your life, your skills, or your particular interests. So set goals that align with what you want for your life. I don't got nothing to say about that. That That's just straightforward. That's just what it is. That shit is true because... Because if if we had listened to what people told us about what we do with our social media, we wouldn't be here right now. Yes. Yes. That's it. Also, if you compare yourself to other people's life, like your homeboy could be a rapper. He's killing it. He he a rapper and I can't rap. Nigga, you don't even want to (laughs) rap. Why are you even upset that he rapping and you not? You're not even trying to rap. There you go. You know what I'm saying? So I get it. You got to be relevant. And T, time bound. Set a date. And giving yourself a deadline actually applies to creating a sense Sense of of urgency urgency with your goals that will keep you motivated and able to prioritize how you do spend your time. And this will also help you break down your long-term goals into daily actions. So that ties into um, measurable, right? Yes. And asking yourself every day, what can I do to get closer to my goal? This is like super helpful. This is helpful because there's something I need people to understand. The most valuable asset you have in your life is time. Mm Mm-hmm. Time. It's not money. You can always make more money. But when you lose in time, like you can't lose that. That is the most valuable asset you have in your life. So if you don't set 
time and Kadeen and I going back and forth on this all the time because she's a procrastinator and I'm the opposite of a procrastinator. Mm -hmm. The minute I know something has to get done, I want to rewind and do that shit yesterday. Mm -hmm. And Kay be like, Deval, like we just found out about it. The fact that it's not done, you can't be stressed and worried about it. Mm -hmm. So there's a balance in between, right? You, You can't be a procrastinator, but at the same time, you can't be a stressful person thinking that stuff's never got done on time. You right. have to find that medium mm-hmm. to where you can, you know, you can get things done and still live a comfortable life and enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. Like you said, I don't do enough for I, yes. enjoying the moment. So. Yes. I think that a lot, you definitely need to stop and enjoy certain moments and not let them pass you by. And these are things that you've worked for for a long yes. time. So as we wrap things up, which I think this is amazing because this is um, the last episode of season two. Yes. So we're super happy that you guys have been on this journey with us. So happy for you so guys happy taking this journey and with just us. being as we're getting towards the end of the year and everyone's probably now going to be making those vision Absolutely. boards and having those discussions. You know, we're ending the fourth quarter of the year and already looking towards yes. 2020 and everything that's out there that you are trying to achieve and the goals that are being mm-hmm. set. Um, you mentioned the secret Deval, yes. and having to read that book. I had no, I read that book as well a couple right. years ago I read it a while it ago might, yeah it might be worth doing a little sift through again just to get a little refresher but um, we did pull some stuff from that um, one being visualizing what you have now visualizing what you want and in detail um, and also being able to see yourself in that place um, where you want to be um, and how making those goals are going to be real and achievable for you and the only person that you have to conceive the only person that you have to convince that you're capable of this is yourself and that's the truth I, yeah. And it was funny. I learned this uh, mountain biking when we were in St. Lucia. Remember, we, <laughs> really? were, mo- we were mountain biking. And yeah, I remember. And we were going down the mountain so fast. Yeah. And there was a woman there. She's a professional mountain biker. Uh-huh. And she said, um, don't look at the rock. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> she was just like, every time I'm going down mountains with people and it gets fast, they look at the rock. Because once you look at the rock, you go towards the rock. And it don't matter how many times you say, don't hit the rock, don't hit the rock, don't hit the rock. If you're focused on the rock, you're going to hit the rock. So she said, don't even look at the rock. The rock is not there. Look at the path that you want to go. And that's what you call visualizing. Mm. You visualize where you want to go and where you see yourself because the universe is always conspiring in your favor. For sure. So since the universe is always conspiring in your favor, if you're constantly thinking about the things you don't want to happen, you don't want to happen. It doesn't know how to decipher that. Right. So all it is is just sending you all the stuff you don't want to happen. Mm -hmm. It's sending it to you Mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, I got this, I got this, I got this. Yes. And I've exercised that. Every time I thought about, I don't know if I'm going to get this. I don't know if I'm going to get this. I don't know if I'm going to get this. I didn't get it. I've been doing that recently. I've been doing that recently with these new auditions and stuff. I'm like, I got this. Like, I absolutely got this. That's all you got to do. Putting that out there. Put it out there. Don't even think about it. And then in turn, protect your energy. Because sometimes too, when you know that you're convincing yourself that you're capable and that's the only thing that matters, we're kind of tuning out everybody else who may think otherwise. Yes. And being concerned with what other people think about you, your dreams, and things that you're trying to achieve. So protecting your energy, you, um, you know, what you resist will persist. I like Mm. that. What you resist will persist. Yes. The law of attraction says that the universe does not process negatives only energy yes meaning that if you focus on what you don't want you will only continue to attract more of that thing that goes hand in hand with what we just said positivity goes a long way don't watch the rock don't watch (laughs) the rock rock. keep your eyes on the path yes keep the eyes on the path (laughs) and don't worry about how it's going to happen just know and believe that it will Um, Some people take that approach. Prepare yourself for the opportunities that you don't even know exist. Many of the best opportunities I've seen come from places and people and situations that you least expected. So don't let what you might see as a setback discourage you from working towards your goals. This is very great stuff. I mean, it's it's. I mean, we we gave some great examples, and it's mm-hmm. funny to hear somebody like put it down on paper. Yeah, because as you go yeah. through life, right. You don't put things down on paper. You just do it. And mm-hmm. I can see how doing these things for me. Is almost like the step by step. Yes. You it's know like what I'm the, saying? It shows the measurables there for you. Give thanks. Exude a positive attitude yes. and an attitude of gratitude. Because when you're genuinely grateful for what you have today, you will start to see more clearly that you already have everything you need to succeed. That's dope. That's so dope. And it's I so true. I love that. It's so true. People, I, I feel like people who are genuinely Humble, 
gracious people always get more stuff. Absolutely. And and you know, I'm, I always talk about being a spiritual person, not a religious person. I feel like God has always given me more than I needed because he knows that I'm always going to pay it forward. Pay it forward. So, yep. and and it may sound crazy, but I feel like God will never let everyone go without. So he knows that if he doesn't give me, so many people will go without because mm-hmm. he knows what I can give. I'm giving Rick's forward. Is giving. And the, I the always need more. The things that have come and gone through our household. We think about the children that yes. came through your mentorship program yes. who used to come home with us some nights. Yes. We used to feed them, give them lunch money, whatever it was. Like, And never expecting anything in return or wanting anything in return. We just knew that it was the right thing to do in that moment. And we genuinely wanted to do it yeah. because it was going to better their situation somehow. Even if it was just for the day. Yes. You know, if it was for the week, for the month, we knew some single moms who needed some help with their kids pick up. And it was just like, it was just that's us. just what we did. What we it did. was us. We had Jackson in the back seat with us and we'd be trucking kids around like they were ours. As I said, I've definitely had more than just three children. Yeah, you, you've definitely <laughs> I had, had about more 500 than, yeah, definitely had kids more than come, three children. come through our household. But um, It's funny too, financially, because yeah. sometimes people equate all this to finances. No. The moment that we stopped worrying about our bank account is when our bank account always remained full. Yeah, because I remember there was times where I used to watch every nickel and dime and be like, "This is going out, this is going out, this is going out," mm-hmm. and I only saw stuff going out that I wasn't allowing things to come in. And my my aunt Debbie gave me a parable about keeping your hand closed. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you have money in your hand, and your your fist so tight mm-hmm. that you're not letting no money come out, that you don't realize that no you're not letting no money in. go in either. Yes. So you got to open up, you know, let the blessings flow, and in flowing, you got to let the blessings out to let the blessings come in. So absolutely. Yes. All right, there we go. So we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna move into some listener letters when we get back after we deal with these ads, baby. For sure. Stay tuned. This for the record. There it is. A win for the ages. Tiger Woods is one of our most awe-inspiring sports icons. And his story, it comes with many chapters. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. But here it is. The return to glory. This is All-American. A new series from Stitcher, hosted by me, Jordan Bell. You realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf. No question in my mind. And this season, with the help of journalist Albert Chen, we're asking. What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong? All-American Tiger is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. All right, and it's our last bit of listener letters for the season. Thank you to everybody who's written, who's wrote in um, to our email and told us a little bit about, you know, your situation. So yes. to close out for the season, um, we have this one here. I'm a 26-year-old single millennial woman who is literally just trying to figure out life. Aren't we all? I know. Still trying to figure it out, girl. (laughs) Um, I did everything, quote unquote, right. Went to college, graduated with honors on time. My mom wasn't playing with me. Got a job in advertising and marketing and went back to grad school and graduated while still working full time. Mm. I know I'm very blessed, but as my birthday is coming up, I've been thinking more and more lately about what I want my life to look like and what I really want. I just don't want to live an ordinary life when I feel like I'm destined for more. That's most people. Number one, one of my goals has always been to become a TV media personality. I know you both created your careers and dreams from the ground with nothing. I podcast with a friend and I've started to put myself out there more. I know it's going to take time and I'm more than happy to do the work. What tips or suggestions would you give to someone who is building their dream career from the ground up and want to be in the media industry? Do oh, it. Okay, that's her first. Yeah, first. So it sounds like you're starting to do the right things. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is the first part. You, you work, obviously. You have a mm-hmm. great job. You have your degrees. Right. Okay, so I would say start. The number one thing is put some money aside. Put some money aside and put this as your savings for when you decide to take the leap. Because at some point, you're going to have to take the leap and put yourself out there to not do both. Mm-hmm. So as long as you have the money and you have the opportunity and resources to do that, you know, you'll feel more comfortable doing it. So first thing, start putting some money aside. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, 
Find out exactly what it is you want to do in TV media before you start to make that transition. Right. Because that field is multifaceted. You can't as well. just say TV media. Like, right. To decide what you want to do. Right. Find out if there's a craft involved or learning with that mm-hmm. because you have to respect the craft of that work. You can't just say, I want to do this and go and go start doing it. You're going to have to learn about it for people to respect you and give you opportunities. Absolutely. And it may not require like a ton of schooling or anything, but right. it may be, you know, a class or two that you would have to take just to kind of, you know, have that under your belt, your resume. Right. Say, for example, like when I did entertainment hosting um, with the Hot Zone. Yes. You know, that's something that I reached out to someone about. So that could be number three. That's Start number to three. reach out to people who are already in the industry yes. who um, may know the right avenue for you once you figured out where exactly you want to be. So you don't want to just be broad in that, oh, I just want to do television. Oh, I just want to do media work. Where exactly do you want to fall into that category? And then find out the right people that you can align yourself with. And know that sometimes you have to do that work without pay in the very beginning. I was just going to say that. Go ahead, baby. Go ahead. ahead. Because I've been there. I've been working without pay. Just to be able to get that real, you know, um, be able to get that footage of yourself doing it so you can have that as your proof. Like a proof of concept with anything. You need People need to see it to believe it. Um, so go ahead that's three and four find the right people and then four be willing to work towards it without pay that's why number one makes sense save some money Um, and just do it put yourself out there you have so many different avenues that you can use at this point yes you You have no excuses no excuses you have the podcast there's so many social media outlets um, different websites I mean really to get into television and media and film at this point you have so many routes to do that so just keep at it and you got to be persistent and get used to hearing no, number five. <laughs> Rejection is how much percent of the business? They say 50, but I feel like it's more like 90. Yeah. I feel like it's more like 90. Yeah. You're going to hear no A ton of way no's. more. And it takes one yes for the floodgates to open up. So That's it. The right you yes. You can put a bow on that. Absolutely. I like that, baby. You gave her five things. And when when that floodgate opens and you get that opportunity, capital, capitalize on it. Yes. For sure. Be ready. All right. And moving on to our second uh, listener letter question. I've been with my boyfriend for four years. We have a one and a half year old daughter. He's a great man and a wonderful father. However, I feel like we're stuck in a standstill. I work, I go to college and take care at home. And he works, helps out with our daughter, but I feel like he's lost his drive. He doesn't like to do family activities. He hasn't made any moves for our future, no career moves. He used to dream of being a writer and director. Him being stuck with this in the slump makes me frustrated, and it's sort of pushing us apart. Any advice on this? Many blessings to you guys. Thank you. Man, uh, this just sounds so familiar with people who, um, like we talked about it earlier in the episode, purpose, mm-hmm. finding your purpose. He may not know how to get into being a writer or a director, and that can be frustrating and also put you in a little state of depression when even if you're working and you're making good money, but you're not doing what makes you happy, it makes you feel like you're not living out your your life's purpose. Yes. And then ultimately, you as his family start to feel the effects of that. Because he's not happy within himself. Absolutely. Um, And he's in a field, like we had said before, acting, writing, directing, all of that. That industry is just so difficult to break into. And um, there's, like we said, there's a lot of no's before you get that yes. And there's a lot of, you know, putting things into works and into motion and waiting for it to happen and preparing for it to happen to only hear the no or things not being greenlit or just any little thing that could potentially be a roadblock. So it's understandable. I get it. Um, I also, too, have been on the side where I've seen the frustration in DeVal, for example, you know, working the jobs that he didn't necessarily want to work, but he had to work just to be able to make a way for him to do what he really loved. Right. It's frustrating. So it can be frustrating. And Um, we've both been through that. I remember in 2007, um, this was my second year in the NFL. I was making a lot of money. Kadeem was at home. She wasn't working. She was like a stay-at-home kept girlfriend and she was in a state of depression Mm -hmm. she was like i want to do tv and she talked about going back to new york while i was in michigan because she just was not happy not doing what she wanted to do um the first thing i'll tell you is that it has nothing to do with you if you know that that's what the issue is don't don't say oh i'm not doing something right don't internalize that right don't internalize that but what you can do is speak to him about it tell him you recognize it and say how can i help you Mm -hmm. get to where you want to be you know, as far as doing the things you want to do. Right. That still may not guarantee his happiness, but right. if you take an active step into helping him get to there, maybe you find some writing classes or some directing classes or, mm-hmm. or you find out ways for for him to, 
you know, start taking that step to chase that dream, maybe it'll help him get out of that funk. Yeah. And it seems like you're doing a lot at home too. You know, you work, you said you go to school, you take care of home. He helps with the daughter. Um, so maybe too, like you said, since it seems like you're willing to help and you are helping, you know, being able to say, babe, is there anything you want me to help you research or look up? Like you think about when DeVal was like, yeah, I'm going to be a stunt double for Omari. And I was like, well, you don't do stunts, but all right, let's Google this and figure right. it out together. You right. know, um, sometimes that little bit of support or maybe the excitement in you or you just saying, you know, I recognize that you seem to be in a little slump. Is there anything that I can do to help you? Or, you know, maybe we can do this together or I can help you jumpstart it. That might help. The la- lastly, and the most important thing I need to tell you guys is that this is normal. A lot of people walking around in the world today don't know what their life's purpose is. And they are feeling a state of frustration or yes. in depression, especially amongst millennials. Because millennials, unlike our parents or the generation before us, we were taught differently. Mm-hmm. The generation before us was taught that you get a job, you yeah, work, you, work you get your two weeks vacation, there and that's life. And when you die, you go to heaven because you paid your taxes. That's what they were taught. <laughs> yeah. Now our generation has been taught that you're not happy unless you're living your life's purpose. So there are Absolutely. a lot of people walking around, working, doing well, who aren't happy. So don't feel like what you're going through is not normal or that you guys aren't making it. It's so normal. Some of the people you look at, look up to the most have gone through that or are going through that. So yes. don't be so hard on yourself. Continue to talk. Be transparent and figure it out together. For sure. Definitely. Oh, my goodness. Season two is a wrap. That went so fast. Oh. Oh, are you going to cry like you did at the end of season one? Yeah. Oh, gosh. We love you guys so much. And we yes. thank you all for listening. Um, You know, and continue to follow us and continue to uh, write in listener letters just because the season's over. Don't mean we yes. still, the email box is still open. Kay is still nosy. And I'm still. <laughs> so go ahead and email us. <laughs> so keep right? emailing us because we will be back with season three. And yes. I will be digging up, you know, some receipts and some emails. So make so sure. So continue to, um, to write in. And if you want to be featured uh, for one of our listener letters, email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com yes all right moment of truth do you have a moment of truth for this season or this episode or just anything in your heart that you want to say or any good things moment of truth good people out there here's the moment of truth for me i'll Mm -hmm. let you do a moment of truth for just yourself okay i have accomplished everything this year that i wanted to accomplish as far as tv podcasts social media I didn't get you pregnant, but I'll save that for 2020. Somebody cut um, this man's mic. (laughs) um, I have accomplished everything that I I put my mind to this year, Mm -hmm. in part because my mindset from last year, from the beginning, from the middle of summer last year, Mm -hmm. I started saying to myself, I'm going to. Yes. I stopped saying, I wonder if, or I hope. I started saying we have last year the rhetoric yes. in our house. Next sure. year I'm going to. And I started to put the work in to say every day I'm putting the energy into getting that. And I got it. And I want everybody who listens to Dead Ass Podcast to apply that to your life and get everything out of life that you want because you deserve it. Cause you're all fucking dope. There you go. I love that. You love it? Look at you. I love that. And I love you. Yeah. And love you too, um, let's see. My moment of truth. Um, I'm gonna speak as Kadeen. Um, who has had her children and I am loving and living in the moment with my children. I have an amazing husband. We are doing things together. Here is to me closing out this year, accomplishing so much that I've set out to do, mm-hmm. but also knowing that if I continue to work aggressively towards my goals, if I continue to speak these things into existence, literally, mm-hmm. Um, just channeling them to have an amazing 2020. Yes. Um, and I'm prepared to do that with you by my side. Yes. And our boys following closely behind and yes. all of our family and friends around. I'm just super, super grateful um, for the year that we've had. We've relocated. Yes. Um, yes. So many major big moments and moves and, and, and hills and valleys, but I'm just thankful for the ride and I'm thankful for everyone who listens and who Absolutely. continues to share and comment and like. I mean, every victory that we have had collectively or individually um, is that much more impactful for us because we've had a host of online, I feel like, family and friends yes. who are continuously rooting for us. Absolutely. And I feel like we get sometimes more support from them than people that we know. It's always um, the case. And, and yeah, and it's insane and it's been great. And and in my moment of truth, I'm 
thanking you and I'm reflecting on that. And I want you to know that it's never taken for granted and it's always appreciated. And we love you guys and we look forward to more seasons with you. Yes. On Deadass. So make sure you follow us on our social media. That's I am Deval. And Kadeen I am. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Continue to listen, man. It's a wrap on season two. We'll be on a little bit of a hiatus, but we'll be back very soon with more to talk about, more amazing guests, and more Kadena Devout. Dead ass. Dead ass. Dead Ass is a production of Stitcher. It's produced by T-Square and Denora Pena. Our chief content officer is Chris Bannon. Our associate producers are Kristen Torres and Treble. Our studio engineer and original music is by Brendan Burns and mixed by Andy Kristen's daughter. back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. We have a podcast going on right now as part of the Stitcher Network called The Distraction. That's available everywhere you get your podcast at uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction. Right now. It's out. Do it, please. <laughs>